in verse number 14. The Bible said, when he, speaking of Samson, came in the Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire and his bands loose from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass. And he put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass... He made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and called the name of the place Ramath Lehi. And he was sore thirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. Now shall I die for the thirst, and shall I fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God, Clay place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. When he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof, Anak Hakor, which is in Lehi, unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines, 20 years. Heavenly Father, Lord, our heart is just full this morning for your, of your blessings and your kindness. And Lord, thank you doesn't seem like a big enough word, but Lord, thank you for just being good and being kind to us. Thank you for this place. Thank you for this church, these people, God. Thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to assemble here one more time to worship you, to praise you, and glorify you. Touch this text this morning. Use it for thy glory. And I pray your will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm interested this morning in verse number 17. He calls the name of this place Ramath Lehi. And that word means uh, the heel of the jawbone. And then in verse number 19, the Bible says that God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there, came out, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. And for a few moments this morning, I want to preach from this text from the life of Samson on this thought, revival at jawbone heel. Revival at jawbone heel. We, we are familiar with the word revival. We've seen it on uh, flyers and on on signs of churches. We're having revival meeting, and the word revive simply in this text means to continue to live, to re- to be quickened from sickness, discouragement, from faintness, or even death. When we come to the book of Judges, we understand the context of the book of Judges is the fact of God's people rebelling against the Lord. They would do well for a little while and then they would rebel against God and go into idolatry and God would send judgment in. But then God would send a judge in to deliver them out of the judgment and they would get right with God but then the cycle would repeat over and over again. They were full of apathy in the book of Judges. They were full of apostasy in the book of Judges. But they experienced the Almighty's mercies throughout the book of Judges. One man said the book of Judges, being the seventh book of the Bible, could picture that seventh church that John writes to in the book of the Revelation, which is the Laodicean church. That church that says, I am creased with goods and have need of nothing. 
And the, the one man said that if the book of Judges pictures the church in the last days, then Samson could picture the believer in the last days. And we find here Samson in this text. We know about him throughout Sunday school. We know of his great feats and we know of his great strength and we know of these things. But I, I'm interested in this text this morning how... He was in a battle, he was in a struggle, and God claimed a hollow place in the, in the jawbone of this donkey, and water came out, and when he drank that water, the Bible said that he revived. I don't know about you this morning, but there have been times, there have been more times than I want to admit where my heart has been cold, and my, my desires have not been right, I've not been where I should have been with the Lord, and I needed God to revive some things in my life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? where I was still going to church and I was still trying to do right and still trying to honor God but my heart and my passion was not where it needed to be. When I think about Samson, I think about a few things by way of introduction. He was birthed in complacency. He was a second generation Christian if you allow me to use that terminology. The Word of God teaches in Judges chapter 13 uh, that an angel appeared to his mother and father and that she was barren and an angel appeared and announced that Samson would be born. Samson never prayed for a miracle. Samson never asked for any of these things. He simply enjoyed what the previous generation had prayed for and handed down to him. And it's not all where we're living at in 2022 today. I mean, we are reaping from fields uh, that we've not sown from. We didn't build this church. We didn't buy this property. But we are enjoying the blessings thereof today. I tell you, we didn't die to have a King James Bible. We didn't die to have the truths that we have today. Other men gave their life and handed it to us. And I'm going to tell you what burns me up. I'll flame about that high. But the other thing that burns me up is these boys ain't never fought for anything. They ain't never stood for anything. And they're handing things away that our forefathers bled and died for us to have. Hey, there's a reason we're keeping Baptists on our side. There's a reason we're keeping a King James Bible in the pulpit. We're not trying to be more appealing to the culture. We want to stand out and be salt and light in this world world. Hey, salt always stands out. You can put salt in food. It don't matter how spicy it is. You'll taste that salt. And you can put light in a dark room. And it doesn't matter how big the room is and how dark the room is. You put a little light shining, it will stand out. And I'll tell you, these boys that are changing and compromising, they didn't fight for anything. They didn't stand for anything. And the fact is, they don't want to stand or fight for anything. Samson was birthed in complacency. But then we find in Samson's life he was behaving carnally. Samson, it was stated in Judges 13, 5, he was to be a Nazarite. Not a Nazarene. There is a difference between the two. I don't care what Mel Austin said. There is a difference between a Nazarite, God rest his soul. There is a difference between a a Nazarite and a Nazarene. Jesus was a Nazarene, but he didn't run around looking like Willie Nelson. Can I get an amen out of that? All right. I believe he had a hard part, just being honest with you. Anyway, I'm telling you, he didn't have long hair. Amen. He was why would Jesus have long hair and then put in his word it's a shame for a man to have long hair? Amen. I just never understood that, but uh to each his own. Amen. Uh, but Samson was to be a Nazarite. He was not to cut his hair. Uh, there were certain things he was not to be around and not to touch. And It was a sign of separation. But you know what you find in Samson's life? Anything but separation. I mean, he's going all the places he's not supposed to go. He's doing all the things he's not supposed to do. He is acting all the ways he's not supposed to be acting. He is behaving carnally. You know anything about that? 
We're not living like we should, doing what we should. We know what the Word of God says. It was written in the law what Samson could do and what he couldn't do. And it's very clear in the law of the Lord what we are to do and what we are not to do. But Samson was behaving carnally. Samson was also bereaved for his companion. You study out Judges chapter 15 verses 6 through 7 through a series of events. The Philistines come because of their anger against Samson. They kill his wife and her father and burn them and burn their home. Samson's got sorrow in his heart. Anybody know anything about sorrow this morning? I'm hoping in one of these things I'm throwing out you can identify with Samson a little bit. He's bereaved for his companion. How about this? He's been betrayed by his comrades. Chapter 15, verses 8 through 13, the, the, men of, uh, the men of Judah go up to Samson. He is of Judah. He is an Israelite. But they come to him and they say, look, the Philistines want you and, and we're not going to fight them to save you, so we're going to bind you and we're going to deliver you to the Philistines. Ever been betrayed? We talked about that in Sunday school a little bit. Somebody hurt you, somebody dear to you close, and, and he was betrayed by his comrades. He was also bending and compromised. This is, this is Samson, the strong man. But you know what he allows these 3,000 3, men of Judah to do? He allows them to bind his hands and lead them away. You know what he's doing? He said, I could fight, but this is not worth the fight anymore. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of men that are compromising today just because they're tired of fighting. They're tired of the aggravation. But ain't there some things worth fighting for? Ain't there some things that's still worth standing for? Ain't there some things that we ought to want to pass down to our children and to the next generation that is worth standing for and doing right? I tell you, this Bible is worth standing for this morning. And this church is worth standing for. And our style of worship, not because we're in the South and not because uh, what we are, we're old-timey Baptists. But I'm telling you, we, we worship biblically. Biblically, amen. We lift our voice in the sanctuary. We raise our hands in the church, amen. I tell you, it's right. We need to preserve it to another generation. And then we find Samson in our text. He's battling in the conflict. These are all reasons we could preach on why someone would need revival. We can make all the spiritual applications that we want to. And I want to look at this text this morning, this revival at Jawbone Hill and I want to say three things about it. And I hope God will help us how when we are in the battle. By the way, this battle was on top of everything else he had going on in his life. You ever been felt like that? You got all these things going on. You're trying to keep, keep your heart right and keep your testimony right. And you're battling the flesh. And you've, been, and, and you've been betrayed. And you've been hurt. And you got sorrow. And then you've got to battle the world, the flesh, and the devil on top of that. And I'll tell you, in this text, Samson's just give out. He's just wore out. He's just tired. And I want to say three things out of this text. First of all, I want us to note the weapon of his fight. Look at verse number 15. And he found a new jawbone of an ass. And he put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. Somebody said, preacher, what does this jawbone represent? I believe it is a picture and a type to us of the Word of God this morning. Here's why I say that. First of all, notice it was divinely position. Notice the Bible said he found a new jawbone of an ass. I mean it just so happened, amen, where he was fighting that day, where he was going against the enemy. It just so happened that 
God let a donkey die right there and God let that carcass uh, 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 um, uh, go away and decompose and the flesh and everything go away and it just so happened that he found that jawbone and how many times have you been in a battle you've been in a struggle and it just so happened when you walked into the house of God that morning the preacher got up or the Sunday school teacher got up or somebody testified and quoted a verse of scripture and it was just what you needed that day it was just what you needed to hear it was just what you needed to help you in the battle notice where it was found it was on the battlefield notice who it was for it was for Samson it wasn't for the enemy the Philistines didn't pick it up you know why because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds it was divinely positioned oh but don't miss this now it was definitely preserved I'm talking about this jawbone being a picture of our Bible. Not only is it divinely positioned, but it was definitely preserved. The Bible said it was a new jawbone. Now, I ain't too brilliant. Appreciate you not saying amen there. But I do, got, I do know this. If a donkey died the day before, his jawbone would not be exposed enough for Samson to use it in the battle. Right? And so that donkey had died there a long time before Samson ever got there. And, amen, it, it had been there and decomposing, going away. But when Samson found it, it was new. Amen. William got it, amen. It was old, but it was new. It was, it had been, amen, it had been there a long time. But that day it was new and fresh for Samson. I tell you, this Bible's been around a long time. A lot of people's bled and died. It's old, the page are worn. But I tell you, when I opened it up this morning, it was fresh. It was new. It was just what I needed. Thank God for the Word of God divinely positioned and definitely preserved. Don't you let that crowd bother you when they say, well, what did God inspire? Did God inspire the originals? Or did God inspire? Don't you let that crowd bother you. God inspired His Word. He moved on men as they he breathed on men and they wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. No prophecy of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible said that these scriptures, they are, the Bible said in Psalm uh, chapter 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord, they are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth purified seven times thou shalt keep them what is the them well in basic English tells you it goes back to what's been talking about in the previous verse they, thou shalt keep them the words O Lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever God inspired his word one time and God has preserved his word for all eternity forever O Lord thy word is settled in heaven and it doesn't matter if it's 150 years ago or if it was 15 minutes ago I'm glad the word of God is still alive and well by the way you know why Samson had that jawbone because somebody died that jaw that, that donkey laid down that donkey laid down his life and he died ain't a blessing of God let that donkey die right there where Samson, hey man, I don't know how long that donkey had been dead, but God may have brought a donkey out there and said, you're going to die right here. Why am I going to die here? I got a, I got a soldier that's going to need some help one day. And I tell you, thank God, for we have, a, have those who have paid the price where we can have a Bible this morning. It was, it was de- divinely positioned. It was definitely preserved. 
It had delivering power. You know what brought Samson that victory? He latched on to that jawbone. He began to swing it. He began to, you know what he done? He took that jawbone. The enemy's coming against him. Oh, but he had that jawbone and he fought the world off. I wish you'd get a hold of this. So as a preacher, I'm trying to get victory. You just pick up the word of God and you fight off the world. You fight off the flesh. That's where your victory had delivering power. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When Jesus was tempted, I've said this before, when Jesus was tempted of the devil, he did not perform some great miracle uh, to bring uh, victory that day. He simply quoted the word of God. It was divinely positioned. It was definitely preserved. It had delivering power. But here's where you and I get in trouble. It was discarded prematurely. Verse number 17. It came to pass when he made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand. Ain't that how we are? We get what we need for that day. God helps us through and then... We put our Bible down. All right, God, I got this now. Hello, talk to me. I've got this fixed now. He discarded it prematurely. He threw away his victory. The weapon of his fight. Secondly, the weakness of his flesh. Watch what happened as soon as he cast that jawbone away. Look at verse 18. Note his depleted condition. And he was sore athirst. I tell you, when we thought when we ain't reading the Word of God like we should and we're not studying God's Word like we should, somebody said, Preacher, what's your favorite subject to preach on? God's Word. I tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ and God's Word, that's my two favorite subjects to preach on. That and tithing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but I love to preach on God's Word. And when we discard it prematurely, I'll tell you what we're going to do. There's going to be a longing in our heart. And in our soul, he was sore athirst. His depleted condition. Notice his desperate call. Verse 18, and he called on the Lord. Well, thank God he had sense enough to do that. (laughs) Amen. He called unto the Lord. When he got weak in his flesh, he called out to God. Then notice his deep concern. And called the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? He said, God, you brought me this far and you're going to fail me now? It wasn't God's fault. He threw away the jawbone. And I'm going to tell you, it ain't God's fault when we struggle. It's our fault. Amen. We threw away our spiritual jawbone, if you would. The weapon of his fight. The weakness of his flesh. But then notice, lastly, the work of his father. Notice the faithful intervention. But God. Verse 18, he said, am I going to fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Question mark. But the next two words, but God. The faithful intervention. Aren't you glad for all the times when God has butted in your life? And God has intervened when you were weak in your flesh, when you were weak in your soul. How you didn't know if you was going to make it? You thought you was going to go down for the last time. But God. Psalmist said, my flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. I'm glad he's present. He's ever present. When we need some help, he's there. But the reason we don't get the help, because we don't cry out to him. 
The psalmist said, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. I'm going to tell you a people's problem in the society we're living in today, though. They want to keep God on the back burner their whole life, and then trouble comes, and they want to pull out a get-out-of-jail-free get card and expect God to presto fix every problem they have. Yep. Told an individual the other day, was come, not anybody in our church, the individual I was counseling with the other day, uh, uh, actually somebody stopped out here, uh, they said, well, I just don't understand why God ain't helping me. I said, when's the last time you went to church? Well, it's been about 10 years. I said, why should he help you then? She said, well, God, God, taught, God, I was raised. He'll help you anytime. I said, yeah, he will. But he knows if you're playing games or not, too. Yeah. Amen. And too often we're playing games with God, his faithful intervention. Then notice the familiar item. But God claimed a hollow place that was in the jaw. Don't miss this truth now. I'm just about done. God, when, when Samson got weak, God did not point Samson to something new. You know what he said? He said, son, you got victory over the world, the Philistines. Now you're weak in your flesh. The same thing, don't, amen. The same thing that'll get you victory over the world will help your flesh you're struggling with. He claimed a hollow place in the jawbone of that donkey. He pointed him back to the last thing that had given him victory. God, I want something new. I want God ain't going to give you nothing new. I want something amazing. He, 66 books, 1,189 chapters written by men that never hardly met each other over, over a 600 to 1,000 year span. And, every, and none of them contradict. That's pretty amazing. You know, and I'm not talking about people in our church. I'm talking about as a whole religiously. I don't care what the Bible says. How I feel, that's right. How I feel, my emotion. I'm going to tell you something. You better not live on your emotions. And can I, can I run a rabbit here? Don't put every emotion you have on Facebook either. That aggravates the hound out of me. I mean, some people, you just, you know, they just gloom, despair, agony. I mean, if, you, if they had a fight with a spouse, they're going to put up a meme about it. If, they had a, if their dog puked on the ground, they're going to put up a meme, a meme about it. It's always something. Yeah. You got quiet. <laughs> it's the truth. Don't put every emotion you have out there. You're just, you're just, you're just putting everything out there. Everybody know your business. It ain't the will of God for everybody to know everything about you. We don't want to know. We messed up as it is. We don't need you. Your problem's messing us up even more than what we are. Hello. Hello. Amen. Well, it's my outlet. Your outlet. Your prey. Amen. You know, we're good. We're good about posting, but we ain't good about praying. And I'm telling you, in this text, he pointed him back to that familiar item. I've said this before. Uh, about Dr. Lee Robertson, but I'll say it again. His counseling was this. You came to Dr. Robertson, it don't matter if you was having marriage problems, it don't matter if you, you was having uh, uh, whatever it was, he'd say, are you coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? Are you reading the Bible every day? Are you praying? Are you giving? And are you being a witness? And if you answered no to any of those five things, he said, we need to do that first. Amen. If you and Dr. and it was right, he built a pretty good church, didn't he, Miss Francis, on that on that counseling? Uh, if you ain't gonna do those five things, you ain't gonna do anything else. Bridge tells you to do. I mean, if you ain't gonna do the things that you know you're supposed to do, go to church, read the Bible, pray, be a witness, and give. 
then why are you going to do anything else we'd tell you to do? <laughs> and that's why he let it be 97. He wasn't stressed. Amen. <laughs> Pretty wise right there. I'm just telling you this morning, we want, we want God, we want something deep. I, I, um, I remember, I was thinking about Brother Eddie Davis this week. Uh, I got in the car with him. I was about 15 to ride with him to a meeting. He's actually preaching back to Bethel, and he's staying at New Grace's Prophet's room. And So I was going to ride with him to the meeting, and I got in the front seat of that big old Lincoln that he had. He always has the coolest cars. His daughter works at the dealerships. That helps, amen. And uh, we, we was riding the meeting, and I was running my mouth. Can you imagine that? Boy, y'all are kind. Y'all are kind. And I said, Brother Eddie, I said, I'll tell you what us young preachers need. We need a preacher like you to write a book for us young preachers, to help us along, give us some instruction, give us some counsel and advice. He said, there's already been one written. I said, Really? And I had my Bible in my lap, and he reached his hand over and said, that book right there. Man, I love that man. You know, he's right. <laughs> I've got a bunch of books. I'm trying to be a better reader, and there's a place for reading. But I tell you, uh, Spurgeon said, live in many books, but just be dedicated to one book. Amen. Amen. Visit many books, but live in one book. That was the quote. I'm telling you this morning, he, promote, he pointed him back to that familiar item. I want God to help me. That's where he's going to take you, church. Then notice the flowing inspiration. Verse 19. But God cleared a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came out water. There's an amazing spring out of all the places that water could have came out of. It came out of a jawbone. Says a preacher, ain't that amazing? Well, God brought water out of a rock. If he can bring water out of a rock, he probably has no trouble bringing it out of a jawbone. <laughs> An amazing spring. Notice the adequate supply. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again. Oh, and here's the word we need. And he revived. Wherefore, he called the name of the place in Ecor, which, which is in Lehi to this day. And then notice the advancement of Samson, verse 20. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines, 20 years. I know Samson had his faults and his failures, a lot of them. But there was at least 20 years that we can tell that he served God, that he'd done right, that he honored the Lord. But he would not have had that 20 years had he not got a drink out of that jawbone. Because he was about to go down. But when he drank out, drank out of that jawbone, he revived. You need revive this morning. Your heart get cold. You've been living in complacency. You've been hurt by someone. You got sorrow in your life. You've not been living the way the Lord wants you to. I tell you, he's going to point you back to that book. Don't miss that. That same item that gave him victory against the Philistines, the picture of the world, was the same item that helped him with his flesh when he was sore thirst, when he had a need in his flesh, that jawbone. Thank God for the Bible this morning. Thank God for his word. We don't worship the King James Bible. We worship the God of the King James Bible. And I don't make any apologies for saying that this morning. This is not a copy of God's word. This does not contain God's word. This is God's word. And it's what's going to give us the victory in these days. Let's stand. I appreciate your attention. Revival at Jawbone Hill.